Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here, as always, with David Ramil, and we have a special co-host today, a special guest, Rohan Nardkarni of uh, Sports Illustrated's The Crossover, born and raised in South Florida, or or lived in South Florida for a long time, now covering uh, the NBA at large for Sports Illustrated's NBA Vertical. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us, Rowan. Of course. Thank you guys so much for asking. I'm always down to talk about the heat. I don't get to talk about the heat enough in New York, so I appreciate you guys asking me to join you. <laughs> it's not been a great year for the heat. Not like a lot of great storylines, especially compared to the Big Three era and, and everything. It's been... Kind of a, a a few down years here, so I'm sure your editors at Sports Illustrated are like, yeah, people don't watch the Heat, only Heat fans. Heat fans like David and I who have to watch this team every freaking game <laughs> and talk about them all the freaking time. But uh, this should be fun. This should be a good time and uh, an opportunity to catch up with you and what you your thoughts on the season. So you have no you have no SI editors here. You can just bask in the Heat and talk about it until you're as much as your heart desires i love it i'm so ready for it i'm so ready for it i can't wait <laughs> can you can you feel the heat down in your soul ron because that's i think oh, that's the without, appropriate way without a doubt man i'm i was so close to buying a james johnson jersey uh, oh. after that road trip oh my god yeah man i can feel it for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're big fans here. Now, now I have to also warn you that Wes and I have been known to go on uh, rants in favor of Dion Waiters, so that's a fair warning. I know we're probably in the minority when it comes to Dion and what he brings to the table. I legitimately tried to pitch my editor on letting me write the case for Dion Waiters as most improved player before the season. <laughs> wow, it, it has not it has not looked good for me because it didn't really pan out the way I expected. But I had. Very high hopes for Dion. So I'm all in on on waiters, man. Oh, wow. We're amongst friends here, David. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) This is fantastic. Um, Well, as long as uh, the the hate Dion waiters bandwagon didn't already shut this podcast off, let's get into uh, some some of this most recent stuff. Justice Winslow. Um, Rohan, you actually wrote a piece about this for SI, in case you didn't know, um, about uh, Winslow's season-ending surgery on his torn labrum. And there was a bit in there that I wanted to ask you about specifically uh, to elaborate on. Um, talking, about, I'll just read a little bit of it. What you said was, um, him missing time, ultimately that's what will hurt the Heat most moving forward. Not only does Winslow lose practically an entire season to improve his game, but Miami's level of guesswork now increases significantly moving forward. Is Winslow the player to build around? Is Winslow the right fit with Whiteside? While the Heat will still get good looks at Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson, they will lose a critical year in figuring out Winslow's ceiling and fit with this current core. Uh, just to elaborate on that a little bit, how much, 
how much of a how much does this really hurt Miami and what ha- what do you think that they've seen positives and negatives from Winslow in this short season he's had so far? So it's just tough because I think the Heat realistically accepted this was going to be kind of a loss year. It was going to be a down year. It was going to be a year where, frankly, they tried to hold on to their draft pick and, and get a good lottery selection. Having said all that, I think they expected to move forward with that, kind of knowing what they have in Winslow. And it's just tough for them to know right now. I mean, unfortunately for us as fans, his offensive game, I think all of us were expecting some kind of improvement this year. I don't think anyone expected him to become a, a knockdown shooter from the outside, but it was really discouraging to watch him shoot in some games. And you wonder, was it the wrist injury hurting that? You know, was it just a lack of improvement? And now you just don't know. And it's just one of those things where you have to guess. Pat Riley, I, I don't imagine he is, he would ever consider Winslow untouchable or something to that extent. You know, sometimes I wonder if he had an opportunity to trade for a star this offseason. Would he include Winslow in that package? Well, now it's a little hard, to, a little harder to make those kinds of decisions because he remains a mystery, not only to the team, but the rest of the league. So, you know, in terms of positives, I think, you know, Winslow certainly took on a leadership lead. He was still a net positive on the court. He finds ways to impact the game, even when he's not scoring. And I think that's something Spo really appreciates, but it, it just creates a little bit of a hesitation for Miami, I think, going forward. When you look at what Tyler's doing right now, you can get a sense of what his role with this team will be moving forward. With Justice, you don't know if he's going to turn into a franchise player. Is he going to turn into a real player? Is his shot going to improve? There's just so many question marks still remaining. Yeah, one of the things that we had talked about um, early in the season when we were kind of looking ahead and, and seeing how Winslow might fit in, you know, I kind of brought up the analogy about how in 2004, at the end of his rookie season, Riley had a good feeling about what kind of a player Dwayne Wade was going to be. And that's why it was possible for him to make the move to acquire Shaquille O'Neal and sacrifice young players like Karan Butler and Lamar Odom and even Brian Grant to an extent who, who were, you know, big parts of, of that playoff run during the 03-04 season. But it was worth it because you had a, a future superstar in Dwayne Wade, somebody who hadn't really shown all that he could be during his rookie season, but certainly had the potential. And And this was, I think analogous to that for Winslow like this was his opportunity to really show what kind of a player he was going to be and unfortunately that didn't happen you know and and one of the things that Wes and I when we were covering the summer league team we talked to Jawan Howard and how he envisioned Winslow's role and one of those was going to be as a playmaker and certainly you know once Wade departed for Chicago we really thought that he was going to develop much more of a playmaking role, more of a facilitator role on offense. And unfortunately, again, that was something we saw shades of, but between the various injuries, we just never really saw it manifest to the fullest. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up another great point, just kind of about the injuries, you know, justice, Josh, Tyler, and Hassan are kind of the core right now. Although I'm personally a little hesitant about putting Hassan in there just because of how much older he is than the rest of the guys. But you know, those four are kind of the core, and they hard. I think they only played something like 90 minutes together on the court this season, and, and they were great when they were on the floor, but it just didn't happen enough. And, and you, you need to see, you know, how Justice plays with Josh, how he plays with Tyler, and, and what those, you know, lineups look like. And, and they just did not get enough of a good look at it, and it's just very frustrating. Uh, you know, Justice can obviously still be a great player. He's very young, obviously only played one year in college, so... I don't think there's any reason to give up on him yet or or think that he couldn't become an important player for the franchise. But, 
it, it is just very disheartening. And again, we're not, we haven't even talked about the fact that he really could have used this year to improve his game. And, you know, maybe his shot would have improved after the all-star break or he got more comfortable beating the offense. These are things we'll just never know. And, uh, it's tough that he has to spend all this time off the court. Yeah. I mean, with all the injuries and everything, it was almost a lost season for Winslow and a lost season for the heat. It just seems to just be one of those. It's one of those seasons that just never really gets started. It never really gets off the ground. And that's, su- that's, that's super frustrating. I know that David and I talked a lot about going into the season, how this team wasn't going to be good, but at least it would be fun to watch. And it hasn't even really been that. And David mentioned um, that 2004, uh, how the heat had seen enough in one year from Dwayne Wade before they so they knew that he was untouchable that he was not going to be traded even to get somebody like Shaquille O'Neal and I think with Winslow the big question is okay is he Karan Butler or is he Dwayne Wade and Karan Butler was a, a, a solid player in his own right but he was in when it was all said and done movable he was he was somebody that was touchable on a trade and I think that's the big thing um along with Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson and Rohan in that same piece you mentioned like Without the assets that the Heat have, obviously they've traded two first-round picks for Goran Dragic. They're out of those. Um, they're they're in a in a interesting financial bind because of the whole Chris Bosh thing that um, we all hope will be resolved, but you know nothing's for sure. Uh, you mentioned that the, the Heat can't afford to make any mistakes and no misses in the next couple of seasons. And that issue is specifically compounded by the new CBA which David and I have talked a little bit about on the show, but we really haven't spent a lot of time diving in. Um, Basically, uh, the new CBA restricting some of the top-end talent, um, as we've already seen with DeMarcus Cousins, it's an offer he can't refuse, so to speak, a godfather offer. He's just going to stay in Sacramento because the money is too good. Um, What do you think the... Is there... How much room do the Heat have to make mistakes, or is this, you know, this next offseason and this next draft, is is this make or break for Pat Riley? I think it's huge. If I'm being honest, I think this rebuild is a little more bleak than any of us have really wanted to admit or thought about. But, you know, you think with that new CBA, first we thought next summer maybe the Heat make a run at Russell Westbrook. He signs the extension in Oklahoma City. Then you find out he's eligible for another massive extension. I mean, who's left on the free agent market? Blake Griffin, Steph Curry's not going to leave Golden State, Kevin Durant's not going to leave Golden State. I think we put a lot of faith in Pat Riley to make these huge moves, but he just doesn't have a lot of options. The free agent market, I think, is going to get really restricted when it comes to these top guys. It's going to be tough to swing big there. And then it, in that sense, it comes down to the draft. And I think the Heat really need to nail their lottery pick in this next draft because I think that's going to be a huge, huge building block for them moving forward. They have some pieces, certainly. I mean, I think Tyler's a solid player. Josh has been a little disappointing this season, but he's also had the injuries. I think Justice really has a potential, even if he did turn out to be more of a Karan Butler than a Dwayne Wade, that would be a great pick. So I think this next pick's really important because they still need to find a franchise player, and unfortunately, I I don't see it happening in free agency unless something drastically changes. I honestly think Whiteside could be something that nets them a piece I would not be opposed to the team moving him. But at the same time, you know, we all look at the numbers. We see Hassan put up the big counting stats, and, and, and every Heat fan has looked at the advanced numbers and has seen, but is he really making an impact? And on one hand, that makes him a trade asset. On the other hand, 
you know, other teams realize that too. Other teams see his attitude. They see the impact he has on the Heat. So it's going to be tough. I just, you know, they're devoid of assets right now. It could be a few years of, of tough losing that the franchise hasn't seen in a long time because I just think it's going to be a long climb back up. And this could be kind of a multi-year rebuild process. I don't think it's necessarily going to be as easy to reload unless Pat is able to find willing trade partners in the offseason and is willing to part with some of the young talent they've got. You know, you, to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, you know, Whiteside's been a, an interesting topic for us throughout the year because I think we were very optimistic that he would continue to take a leap, particularly offensively, maybe scale back some of his chasing for blocks. And, and, and you know, we've seen some progress from him, but we've also seen some stagnation. Um, and, and, you know, there have been some off-the-court things, not not a whole heck of a lot. He hasn't been really a problem. But I guess more to the point, you know, is he the kind of player – that you envision Miami building a franchise around the team around, or is he more of a complimentary player? Cause I think that's how Wes and I view. And I'm curious to see whether or not you see him in that same light. Oh, oh I absolutely see him as a complimentary player. I think, I think the heat took the long view with Hassan, you know, you give him that contract in the off season, because I think moving forward, you know, obviously we all love Dwayne Wade. I'd love to still see Dwayne Wade on the heat, but moving forward, you give that contract to Hassan, you can't lose an asset like him to nothing. I think the Heat sure. realized that. I think they said, let's give him this contract and kind of see how it goes because, you know, he is tradable. He could still have an impact somewhere, but I certainly see him as a complimentary player. It's unfortunate because you look at his athletic ability and, and he's one of the most, you know, gifted athletes to play for the franchise seemingly, but he just, he lacks consistency. I mean, we've all seen it. You know, whether it's the screen setting, the way he plays defense, running the floor, there's just times that it's not there. And it's it's maddening to watch because you feel like he should be dominating every single game with his length and athleticism. But, you know, sometimes the consistency is just not there. And I don't think he's a low-effort player. I don't think I, – I, I think he cares a lot about his teammates. And you see the bonds he's forming with some of the young guys on the team. But for whatever reason, you know, and Spo just can't harness that – energy out of him on every single play. And I think that moving forward, you, they can't build around someone like that. And just the NBA in general, you don't see a lot of teams building around a guy like Hassan. You know, he can't shoot. He doesn't have a dominant post game. So I, I think moving forward, uh, I think he, I see him as a trade piece and I see him as a complimentary player, but I don't necessarily see him as the stalwart of the franchise. Yeah. I mean, agree 100% with everything you're saying. I mean, to see him maybe in a DeAndre Jordan role where all he has to do is just catch lobs. Or, um, you know, right now I just think he doesn't have the all-around game to be an all-star. I don't th- I think he either has – it's either a lack of focus or it's tunnel vision or it's an inability to do multiple things um, in one play. I just feel like he is – he will sometimes just get so hung up on doing one thing that he lets a lot of other things fall away. Like he's like, I'm putting up a, I'm putting up a hook shot on this play. So he misses wide open passes to teammates and things like that. Um, and I agree with you about the whole, you can't let the asset get away. And that was ultimately why I defended the Tyler Johnson signing, you know, giving him $50 million. It's like, you know, you find a diamond in the rough. You can't just let that walk away, especially when the heat don't have, draft picks what have what's your what's your thought been on tyler johnson so far this season was are you pro that contract how do you feel on that yeah i I mean to be honest i'm 
I don't. Re- I try not to judge Tyler by his contract at this point, and I think he's been a solid player, and he's been playing really well for the team so far this season. Uh, you know, he's had a positive impact on the court. You know, the Heat just were in an unfortunate situation last summer with Hassan and Tyler and their contract situations, and you know they're almost hurt by the fact that they found them the way they did, as opposed to drafting them. So, you know, it's tough. I think Tyler. Right now, he's a bargain. Those last two years are not going to be great, but you know, and now, and now's the point where you kind of just forget about the contract and and work around it. You know, it's not outrageous. It's not Evan Turner money. It's probably a slight overpay at the end of the day. But I mean, he's playing really well right now, and it's you know, I wish people would kind of sometimes you know let go of the contract stigma, especially during games. I mean, obviously. You know, it's something that should be discussed, but during games, I feel like, you know, every play is a referendum on his contract. Uh, Tyler's been playing really well, and he's certainly not the problem with this team. I, I see him as someone who could be a great bench player for years to come. Not that he can't start, but someone who can really provide a strong scoring boost off the bench. So I think he's playing really well, and the contract may end up being a slight overpay, but it, it's certainly not going to ruin the team from a financial standpoint, you know. There were a lot worse contracts handed out. The cap is continuing to increase, so I personally don't really have a big problem with it. It's, it sounds like you kind of like him in, in the role that he's currently playing as a, as a guy who comes off the bench, an energy guy, and, and that's, I think, how Wes and I have always seen his biggest impact uh, as far as his fit with the Heat. And But that brings me to another question about how he's able to mesh alongside Goran Dragic, and, and that's... You know, he's obviously been linked to a number of rumors and things of this sort. People think that maybe he doesn't necessarily fit Miami's, you know, development window for their younger core and things of this sort. But I think we've argued at times that he could be a valuable piece on this team moving forward, not just this year, but beyond. Because even if Miami winds up drafting a guard or something along those lines or bringing in a younger player, Goran does have the ability to help mentor that player and, and, and help guide them throughout the first you know year or two of their career. How do you see Goran's fit there? Do you think he's somebody who's liable to get traded? Do you think he's a, a good fit for this team in the long run, or it's, if it's just time for Miami to move on? Man, as a fan, I really don't want to see Dragic go. I love absolutely. That play. He just got, like he's just gotten a raw deal since he came here with the Bosch injuries. You know, way sure. leaving, everything's kind of gone wrong for him. You know, in, in his defense. I think he's on a good contract. I don't think you're going to get someone who puts up numbers like he does, you know, making the kind of money that he is. I mean, as the cap rises, you're going to have to pay more and more like guys for him. And I don't know how well his game is going to age, but as a fan, I don't really want to see him traded. I think it was uh, Mark Stein from ESPN kind of brought up a good point. The way the Heat are playing right now, why trade him? I mean, the team's losing anyway. The, The tank is going well. Uh, what are you really going to gain from trading him? Um, unless you can get, you know, a surefire first round pick or, or kind of recuperate some picks, then maybe it makes sense. But even then, uh, are you going to pick someone in the middle of the first round or towards the end of the first round who is as valuable as going on? So I think it's a little bit more complicated situation. My gut tells me he will get traded because I think, you know, some team will see him as a valuable contributor and, and maybe the Heat can get a good pick or a good piece in return. And, you know, there's a lot they can do with this contract in terms of trade. So I wouldn't be shocked if he was moved as a fan. I mean, if, if the idea is to reload this summer, 
why not reload with with Gorn on the team? So, uh, I I don't want to see him go, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. It's a great point. I mean, this is something uh, that I think has been a master move of Pat Riley as far as a PR standpoint is everybody is talking about whether or not this team should tank. It's like this team's got the second worst record in the NBA. It's not like they can do <laughs> any worse. I mean, I don't even if you trade Dragic and Whiteside, I still don't know if this team is as bad as Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn is bad. But, um, you know, all with all of that, I think having Goran on the roster is valuable. But the Heat are also in the driver's seat when it comes to trading them. In that Mark Stein report that you mentioned, I think he also reported that the Heat are seeking what, what they're looking for in return is t- is too high a price tag right now. And it's like, well, why wouldn't it be? Like, they don't need to trade them. It's not like by trading them, by trading them, they automatically get the top pick in the draft or whatever. So um, I do look at the market and say there's really not any other point guards that might be available for trade as much as Goran is. I Maybe you look at New Orleans and, and see Drew Holiday, but his deal is expiring, so I don't know what teams would trade for an expiring contract like that. Rajon Rondo, uh, Ricky Rubio, those are guys that aren't going to score a lot um, and aren't worth their contracts. Goran Dragic, like you mentioned, and it was a very good point, is on a great contract, so it's not like he hurts this team in the present, and he's really tradable. So I'm with you. I think with all of that combined, I think he does get moved. I don't know when. But it doesn't feel like he's a long-term piece for the Heat either way. But uh, um, kind of, we've been beating around the bush a little bit on this. And I really want to just ask you the question. Uh, should the Heat tank? Whatever that means to you. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think they already are, right? Uh, yeah. But they just had such a complicated cap situation in the summer. Once Wade went, this is the direction they had to go in. And to me... Yes, without a doubt, at, at this point in the season, obviously second-worst record in the NBA. The pick that they're going to get this summer is so important. Yes, honestly, they should be tanking. And, and you know, it helps that they've been extra cautious with the injuries or whatever you want to call it, or that the team, frankly, is just not very good. I mean, they have a bunch of role players who would probably be a lot of fun to watch on winning teams, but together it's a little hard for them to, you know, win big games or – or string together wins. So, yes, I mean, I think they obviously need a tank. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I think we're all, we all love when they win games. I mean, when they played Houston one, it was awesome. We all love to see the young guys playing well and, and Tyler hitting game-winning shots in Sacramento. But those are just kind of the growth things that you go through during a year like this. And I think, you know, you can root for them to play well and win every game, but understand that the roster isn't really constructed for success. And, and that's that. So, you know, they absolutely need to be tanking and, and hope that they land a good pick this summer because that's ultimately going to make such a difference for the future of the franchise and winning a few extra games this season. You provided a, a perfect segue there because I was just about to ask you about the, the draft. And I think, you know, Miami fans historically haven't really given a damn about the draft. I mean, at least that maybe that's my perspective. But I think it's just, you know, the way that Riley has always casually treated you know, draft picks and, and, and then, you know, kind of parlayed those into acquiring a player or involved them in a trade or, you know, always been a player in free agency. And that's always been the, the way he's necessarily built teams. Um, I, I think there's been a, a tendency to devalue the draft, but I think this year is a little bit different because I think, again, the, the tank, whether it's active or inactive, a soft tank or whatever, it, it's on. And, and, and we're clearly working our way to getting a, a very good draft pick. So, 
I'm curious, you know, there have been a couple of names that you know, have been tossed around as far as being at the the upper end of the draft there. Do you think that any – are you aware of the best players in college basketball? And if you are, you know, do you think that there's one who might be a, a particularly good fit for Miami moving forward? Absolutely. So, I mean, I've definitely paid attention to it this year more than normal, and it's uh, something <laughs> we talk about a lot at SI. Let me plug my guy, Jeremy Wu's big board, by the way. That's the only draft things he guys should be reading – uh, throughout the season, I, so I personally, I personally love Lonzo Ball. I'm a little worried about his shooting on the next level. Right. Uh, everyone who I talk to, I think, agrees that Markel Fultz is the better prospect. But then that brings up another issue with: should you build around a point guard? Now, it, it depends. If the Heat are looking at this as a multi-year take their lump strategy, they're going to be in the lottery for a few years. Then I think you draft the best player, which is likely Fultz. Um, or, but then there's also the guys, I mean, I think it's Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum um, mm-hmm. from Duke and Kansas. Yeah. The, I personally would like to see the Heat, if they could, if they had the top pick, choose between those two guys at the end of the day, because I think you need size for your franchise player. I mean, unless you get someone like Steph Curry, who's just out of this world shooting-wise, I think you've seen that the best players in the NBA and the teams that usually win the finals have that perimeter guy who can be not only your offensive anchor, but, you know, guard multiple positions. So I'd like to see them get a swing man in this draft because I think that's just a sounder long-term strategy. Mm. Um, I also like Malik Monk. So they're, they're, you know, Malik Monk, I think can shoot really well. Mm. So there are a lot of guys in this draft I'd be happy to get. If they're at the top, I'd like to see them take one of the swing men though, because I think those are the true building blocks of your franchise. This is where you and I disagree, Rohan. I am so in on Marco oh, Fultz no. that I, 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 I love Fultz. I think yeah. he's a great player. I just I worry about how far can a point guard take you. <laughs> right. I think Marco Fultz is like the second coming of LeBron James slash James Harden. So I use hyperbole quite a bit when I talk about Marco <laughs> Fultz. But wow. I mean, well, <laughs> well, in that case, in that case, yes, they should take Fultz. But uh, I guess I would just think about it a little bit more. No, it's a really good point, and, and I guess the Heat got a little fortunate, which is weird to say, but this is a loaded draft class, and um, and next year is a loaded draft class too, and Miami's pick doesn't go to Phoenix if I think that if, I think it has to be a top 10 pick. So they could tank this year, which they are, and next year, and end up with two lottery picks in what are supposed to be like the best back-to-back draft classes in a very long time. Um, so it's fortunate that they're bad now, as opposed to being bad maybe when Anthony Bennett was the first overall pick. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Things are kind of breaking right for them in that regard, So, which is why I wouldn't be shocked if this did turn into kind of a multi-year rebuilding plan. Uh, I just, I'm curious if Riley will have the patience for it, ultimately. So last question we have for you. Um, Dwayne Wade, you had a great Q&A with him. I think that ran right as the season started or right before the season. And uh, Yeah, that was way, way back in October now, I guess. Wow, yeah. Do you see him coming back to Miami? So, listen, I don't have any inside track or inside read on this. I, I, my gut had to guess. I could see him coming back for one year. Uh, maybe at the very end of his career, it's tricky, right? Because you wonder how serious is he about, you know, playing with the ban- banana boat crew again? How mm-hmm. serious are they about 
you know, getting a year together. Uh, I just don't know how feasible that is because I don't know if LeBron would leave Cleveland. Uh, although, again, who knows? Who knows what these guys you think what they're doing? They're always four or five steps ahead. I mean, if LeBron won another championship in Cleveland, I don't think it would be as hard for him to leave if he wanted to, say, play with Chris Paul in L.A. But I do – I feel like there are seeds being planted for Wade to return for, for maybe one last season – you know, in kind of an Alonzo Mourning-esque role, maybe a veteran right. off the bench, hmm. just one year. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to see, you know, even the Dwayne Wade of the Charlotte series in Miami again, the Dwayne Wade of the Raptors series in Miami again. But I wouldn't be shocked if he had kind of one last year. I, I know he's, I'm pretty sure he's still at his house. And, and you just think about that situation in Chicago. It's not a great team. It's it's weirdly constructed. Uh, you know, he's not there to win a ring. I mean, it's just kind of a weird no man's land. And I feel like if he's going to be doing that, why not do it in Miami? So I think he'll maybe bounce around a tiny bit as long as he's getting big contracts. But, you know, if he's at the end of his career and, and everyone's offering him the veteran minimum, I could see him maybe coming back to Miami for him last year, especially if, you know, they've had a couple of down years. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe the team is looking to make a splash. Maybe the team needs to get more fans back in the building. So I think it could be mutually beneficial. So I, I see avenues of it happening. It won't be like it used to be, obviously, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if, if he played another game in the Heat uniform. And, and he didn't rule it out when we spoke about it. Mm-hmm. So I think he's he's leaving it the door a little open as well. You're, you're making it sound like like he's got a few years left in the tank. I mean, I think a lot of people, maybe just people over in Chicago who are happen to be Bulls fans are talking about or hoping rather that he'll retire at the end of this season. But you make it sound like not only is he going to play out the rest of his contract with Chicago, but he might continue to sign other deals elsewhere wherever they become available. Is, is that your feeling that he's got at least another three or four years left to play? I don't know if it's that long. I could see him maybe signing a one-year deal after Chicago and then, and then you know, fin- finishing his career. So maybe three years left. I agree. It, it's going to be tough. Uh, maybe after his contract in Chicago is up, you know, maybe then the avenue opens for him to come back. I mean, maybe he, maybe he opts out after I this I think year. what it comes down to, it's possible. So yeah. to me, I think what it comes down to is how much our team's willing to pay him. I, I think right. he, Rightfully, he kind of wants to make up some of that money he, he sacrificed early in his career. And, you know, let's say his Bulls contract expires after next season. Someone, for whatever reason, offers him $10 million or $15 million. I'm not, I'm not saying they should or they would, but, you know, I, it'd be hard for him to turn that down. I wouldn't blame him. So I think it really depends on, on the market for him, how much longer he plays. And, uh, you know, if teams are still offering him big money, he might go for it. But I would not be shocked if, even in two years, he was maybe doing one last season with the Heat. Well, I think that's as good enough a place to end it because that's a nice, hopeful way to end. And usually, David and I are not as positive. <laughs> ending I mean, we, these shows. we didn't even get to talk about Dion Waiters and James Johnson, the two Heat lifers. James Johnson, I'm, I'm, tell, I'm saying, is a Heat lifer. They maxed him out this summer. I, I never want to see a guy <laughs> play for a different team. I'm with you, man. He's got a great nickname. Bloodsport is a fantastic nickname. Um, yeah. He is like LeBron James Light in that he does like a lot of different things. I'm with you. Max him out. Let's yeah. do it. And Deion Waiters. Such a bright spot. Such a bright spot this season. James Johnson, man. Good for that guy. 
Yeah, right. no doubt. I mean, and no one expected him to play at this level. And I mean, he, he has been arguably the best thing to come out of Miami. This, I mean, I guess you could say Goran and you know his consistent play. But yeah, he's been a lot of fun to watch. And I, I mean, he's just going to cash in this summer, though, right? I mean, he, I don't think he's into Miami's long term plans. At least I don't think so. I hope he cashes in, and I, I hope he cashes in with Miami. Sure. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After Dion gets his his big paycheck, though. Man, the Dion the Dion early injury really submarined my hopes for him, but um, he'll always have a special place in my heart every time he owns and one. Nice. Well, I might as well ask you this then. Um, is there a trade that you've been kind of having in the back of your mind that if you were GM that you would pull the trigger on? Like, is there something that you've been messing around with on the trade machine or something that you want to... I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but if there's something there in your fantasy world, what would that be? Uh, so I have a really hot take for this, and nice. it's that I have no trades. It's just because nothing matters anymore. It's like I'd love for the I'd, that's it, I'd love for the Utah Jazz, or, or I'd love for the Oklahoma City Thunder to get Rudy Gay or, or Paul Millsap, or I'd love for the Raptors to get Paul Millsap or all these little trades. And then I think about it, and I think nothing matters. It's going to be Cavs Warriors at the end. We can discuss these little deals to the death, and in a different season. You know, it might make the difference between, you know, a team making the East Finals or the the NBA Finals. But this year, I'm just like, I just have no motivation because every time I see a team on the periphery make a marginal improvement, I just think, what's even the point? Yeah, Yeah, you sound appropriately broken for this season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It started with Durant, and it's just all been downhill. (laughs) Well, you... You said, I think in your Twitter bio or something, you or it might be your Sports Illustrated bio, you said like you're the unofficial uh, fashion guru of the office or something like that. <laughs> that or, is correct. That what, is were correct. Your th- what were your thoughts on Kevin Durant's uh, Player Tribune photo when he's wearing a sleeveless white tee, a silver watch, and standing in a cornfield? Like, what the hell was that? That was so... All of that was strange, like... <laughs> That article was like obviously not written by him. That did not sound like him at all. I like it's the Players Tribune. I get it, and I, I'm fine with it. Like I'm not one of the few that's like, oh, the media needs to be doing everything. It's just often so corny, and that was just a perfect example. That was so lame. I agree. I don't know what that was about. And at least it's given us the meme. At least it's given us the meme about my next journey and people right. photoshopping a winning team's logo onto him. But that whole thing. Was just lame, man. Yeah, I, I think they recently superimposed uh, LeBron's head onto Kevin Durant's body after the <laughs> yeah. whooping the Cavs took. So yeah, it, it, it's yeah. it's led to uh, quite a few things in social media. So that's great. Uh, just uh, sleeveless white tees. Like, when has that worked out for anybody? I just I don't know. <laughs> just <laughs> one instance. Well, it's it's you know it's it's conveying so many different things though because the watch is like a hint of elegance, oh, but the, the the sleeveless tee is about his work ethic, his 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 roots, you know the the Oklahoma and part David, of his personality. David is onto something here. This is like a, a <laughs> yeah, very yeah, very elegant breakdown. There, yeah, there's some symbolism taking place there. He's yeah. not leaving it behind, but he's moving on to the bright lights of Silicon yeah, Valley, etc. Yeah. Et it well, all makes sense now. It's a clean slate, right? <laughs> or he just like stole a page out of uh, the uh, snowbirds that moved from like New York to Broward County, because that's what they were. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's something we all know and love. Um, all right. Well, might as well end there. 
Thanks again, Rohan, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I hope you had a good time, as much fun as we did. I had an awesome time. Always happy to talk to you. Thank you guys so much for asking me. I really appreciate it. You got yeah, it. You, you got it. You can follow him at Rohan Ned Carney. That's on Twitter. And then, obviously, check him out at uh, Sports Illustrated, this, uh, the crossover. Doing great work over there, along with uh, a bunch of really great writers. It's just a, a must-go, uh, a must-landing, a must-go-to landing spot for uh, basketball fans. Uh, and whether you're listening to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, thank you for listening. You can get in touch with the show on Twitter at Locked On Heat, or by email, where you can send us mailbag questions, comments, or sponsorship opportunities. That's LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. And if you aren't subscribed already, please do so to get the podcast automatically every day. Then go to iTunes. Leave us a review. Say nice things about us. It really helps our position on the iTunes charts. Helps other people discover the show. And we'll catch you next time. Hey, Wes again. Did you know that podcast listeners are 65% more likely to engage with a sponsor than listeners of any other medium? If your company is looking to reach a male audience between the ages of 18 and 44, you should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Heat is listened to by 95% men, 74% of which are between the ages of 18 and 44. Plus, our rates are reasonable, or you can decide that for yourself. Email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com to find out more about sponsoring Locked on Heat and engaging the audience you want to reach. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.